Hi, everybody. Welcome to a brand new All Access interview. I'm Kai Savas, and I'm here sitting with Adam Lucas and uh, James Everingham. Uh, Adam, James, thank you so much for sitting down today and or tonight, and uh, thanks for for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, likewise. Big fan of the show as well. So. Oh, thank you so much. Big fan of your work. So uh, let's just jump into it. I'm curious before we we talk all things Frozen Planet. I want to get to know you guys a little bit a little bit more. So. Um, Talk to me about kind of, uh, I, I always like to know kind of the the point in your life that you remember, whether it's childhood, whether it's later in life where music, and maybe it's not an actual moment, maybe it happened gradually, but when did music kind of enter your life and when did it start becoming more than just a hobby and just like, oh, it's kind of all consuming <laughs> and whichever one wants to go first. <laughs> go first. Go for it. Um, I was born into a musical family, so there's oh, that, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but my my way into film music was um, kind of due to a, a failure in some other fields. I was I was studying piano. I wanted to become one of these really good piano players. Um, I just didn't practice enough, I guess. And then my my teacher had a very honest conversation with me, and she asked me, "You need to step it up if you want to make this work." And I said, "I don't want to do this. I I'm sitting on a piano. I'm having fun, but the practice. I mean, so I, I looked for other options, and I." Um, I found great passion in in video games and their music, mm. and it fascinated me how the picture and the music would melt together, and it created this experience that was just awesome. And um, so I began composing cinematic music, and I, I ended up doing film. And that's sort of my my origin story, how I found my my passion for film music yeah so you went yeah you went right to film it wasn't like exploring anything else it was just like the the sound and imagery just really spoke to you yeah i i, I tried yeah. writing original music concert music but i i i i learned that i i'm a person i need deadlines to finish mm. stuff and a film music there's a lot of them uh, oh, there's a yeah you got your wish <laughs> so um i really enjoy that and it, it it actually um brings me to finish music and put music out so it's a stimulus as well I guess. it is yeah, it is. Picture yeah. As well. yeah um i like that i love that yeah absolutely well james how about you <laughs> weirdly sort of similar in a way in that i sort of didn't plan it plan it out in that sense but kind of stumbled upon it in the sense that for the longest time i wanted to do film as in to, to be on the on the camera side mm. um so you know throughout a lot of my my childhood that was sort of i wanted to be a director i wanted to be tony scott i wanted to be christopher nolan um and it really it sort of came upon film music out of my own need for film music and and my, and my lack of friends that would be willing to participate <laughs> in my filmmaking um you know as, as composers we're sort of solitary beings yeah. locked away in our rooms and that was something that, that sort of suited my creative style I think a lot more and I, just over time with you know the way the way technology evolved to the point of being able to to write music on on laptops and just that alone really opened the doors and I think enabled me to sort of go into in, into film music specifically um, but similarly I you know I, I grew up with a lot of music in the house there was always something playing and not necessarily you know there's a lot of classical music but there was, there was abba there was elton john there was lionel richie you know <laughs> all sorts of random yeah. stuff that kind of <laughs> creates this cauldron of, of 
of inspiration that I'm able that I'm able to draw on now. So that's yeah. James actually showed me some of his videos he created when he was young, and I, I think we can all be. They will never be released to the world. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we can happy can be happy he became a film composer. Uh, well, I mean, I'm I'm in a similar yeah. fashion where like I'm so in love with film music, but I'm not a musician. I'm not a composer. I I I uh, went to film school, but it's what got me. And honestly, uh, ironically, like Hans's music when I was like nine years old is what kind of triggered something in me. And I was. My mom said, you know, the first movie I ever saw was Fantasia. Maybe that made it something similar with like motion and music and no right. dialogue. And I pursued, uh, and I was always the the weird film school student talking about scores all the time. And then, you know, then I started this because I thought like, oh, composers need a platform to talk about. You know, the directors get to talk, the writers, right. the cinematographers. And and that's why I love talking to, to folks like yourself. So um, I'm curious, though, how, for as as a team, as a duo, how did you two meet? How did this pairing uh, happen? Because I think you guys have worked in the past before, before Frozen, Frozen Planet. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, when did you guys meet? What was your first impression of each other? And well, how did it lead to a creative uh, relationship? Can I tell the real story of how we met? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I had been um, sort of around Bleeding Fingers a, a, a kind of few, a few times over the years. I, I first came out here in, in 2014 or 15, but I came out at the end of 2019, probably a few months after you'd started yeah. here at Bleeding Fingers. And one day I knocked on Adam's door and you had, what, you had the lights off and you had some Goa trance playlist. <laughs> sort of like, <laughs> and I, it just, it was like instant friends. <laughs> so yeah, we, Adam's next door as well. So there's there's definitely something that's so great about working here is that, yeah. It's it's the ability to just go knock on the door, a quick musical opinion, um, or you know, crap, I got these notes. Like, what do you think I should do? <laughs> um, any any sort of combination of that, which is just a really unique thing. And I think we kind of aligned in yeah approach to scoring as well, which is why it sort of works so well. And then we, um, you know, the job comes in at Bleeding Fingers. It's 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 mostly up to Russell, our our CEO. Like he he has a good overview of who has which strengths and weaknesses, et cetera. Right. And um, Russ paired us together for, I think, three shows prior to Frozen Planet. So we, before tackling Frozen Planet, James and I already had sort of developed a workflow. Yeah. And it be, it became really smooth. And, um, you know, the, the, the team aspect of tackling a project like this is not to be underestimated. I'm really glad I, I could do it with James and Hans. Like, it's... It, it it really was a smooth engine, you could say. Absolutely. Um, I think we as well, you know, we thankfully somehow balance each other out in terms of sort of various attributes. Like Hans is, is, is extremely conceptual mm -hmm. um, and just the, the greatest producer and thinker. Um, I'm very practical, I would say. You know, very, very workflow oriented, and 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 sometimes too much so. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm a mess. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but but no. You but always you need the mess. The, you need yeah. the wild card in there. <laughs> you need the wild card to to throw a wrench in sometimes. Adam's the wild card for sure. <laughs> but it, you know, it, I mean, it, you know, some of the stuff that Adam suggested and, and and came up with for the show was just so ridiculous that I. I I would never have thought of it myself and it just works out so well um which is why you know it's it's a 
it's a privilege to work with with both Adam and Hans, um, yeah. and you know, as as well as just being a a fun creative collaborative process, it's, it's a learning process as well. Absolutely. So I'm I'm curious. So let's let's jump into to Frozen Planet because I'm curious how. Let's talk about that collaborative process. And so what is like? Take us to like the starting point of this. Like how you know when Russell, you know, brings the team together. And it's like, okay, because I mean, you know, Bleeding Fingers has a great relationship with BBC and they've done these so many amazing documentaries. So with Frozen Planet uh, 2, uh, what is the, the process like when you're assigned the project and when you sit down with Hans and start coming up with those first conversations of, I guess, what the music is going to be? Um, the, the first time we heard about Frozen Planet was in November 2019. Oh wow! And right before the show just yeah. the show just aired um, a month ago, right? So that's um, we're now in 2022, um, end of 2022. So it, it's been in our heads for a very long time. And, and usually, how this works, um, you know, Bleeding Fingers has done Planet Earth Two, Blue Planet Two, and we quite often work with the BBC. But we have to pitch for these projects every time right. a new project comes on uh, comes up. We have to blind pitch so submit music submit a pitch and the bbc chooses so it's not the given that we do these projects mm. so the, the first phase would be um russell hans and a, a bunch of people who russell thinks you know could come up with a theme or a score a scene and then we would first just try to obviously win that pitch by bringing some really cool ideas to the table um so we, we wrote pieces of music, we scored scenes, we wrote an, a, a document that would say, would represent our ideas that we have for the show. So that's the big first step. And then you, mm -hmm. you play the waiting game for a few weeks and months where everyone is kind of yeah. know, waiting. And then um, in the end, we got it. Um, so we were super happy, we got it. And then it's waiting for pictures. And in the meantime, I think, James, you, uh, we got into like writing tone tracks. Um, Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think some 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 an, an aspect we all aligned on was was really talking about the, the show and the, and each sequence individually before before writing a second of music. Um, yeah. And you know, what is the sound of Frozen Planet? How do we want to do the ice thing in a way that hasn't been done before? Right. Um, how do we address the climate crisis? You know, all, all, there's there's many. You know what are the cliches that we don't want to fall into as well, um, and you know additionally, how do we, you know, respect the the incredible work that that our predecessors at Bleeding Fingers like like Jacob have composed on on the on the prequels, uh, but also the work of of George Fenton on the on the original series. Yeah, um, these these are all discussions that that we felt. All three of us felt were important to sit down and have with, with Russell as well. And I think the core thing is that we wanted people's expectations to be met and give like a bonus. Like yeah. here is all what you love, you know, all the the sweeping melodies, the the orchestra, but here's a little bonus. Here is a new sounds. Here is new melodies, a new take. Uh, and um, I to me that was the biggest um, challenge and. Mm. Um, really finding this sound palette and luckily we overcame the challenge we you know we I, I think you would agree um, the sound of frozen planet the signature sounds of frozen planet is is 
is the fractured strings, the, yeah. the library, the, the custom sounds we, we did with Spitfire Audio and um, our featured artist, Aurora. Yeah, talked about Aurora. I mean, she's such an integral piece of this. So I'm curious how oh, you guys is, collaborate, yeah. co collaborated with her and utilized her talents and how did you guys inspire each other while working? Yeah, she was amazing. Um, she had, um, Aurora is such a special sort of person. And I and I, I, I say with confidence, I, I tell you with confidence, you will never meet a person like her. Yeah. Um, she is um, an absolute unique human being. And um, I'm just telling one little anecdote. Um, we had a session here at Remote Control and Aurora came late, um, like not too bad, like 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but she was so sorry to come late 10 minutes. So what she did is she went outside, she ripped out some flowers from, from our flower garden, gave it to our manager and said, I'm so sorry to be late. And, you know, her picking the flowers and stuff made her like another five minutes late or whatever. <laughs> but um, we knew, oh, this session is going to be tons of fun. Yeah. And, um, it was really a fantastic experience recording her. She, yeah, I mean, she was just, you know, we'd met her before we'd even written anything as well, which was just right. great to, you know, when composing, to be thinking about her and what her voice can bring to the score. Um, and I think importantly, we wanted her to be, a, it sounds pretentious, but to be a kind of reflection of humanity in the music. Um, sure. Yeah. And to and to use her voice in a way that isn't this sort of reverbed out cinematic vocal and mm. is a very sort of deliberate, close, kind of raw um, symbol of, you know, the, the humanity and, and how we, how we, our, our relationship with nature, I think. Yeah. For, for her voice to be that bridge between the footage and, and, and the more traditional orchestral elements as well. Yeah, because yeah, I think I think that the image is not lost on me. That I know it does sound pretentious, but I was thinking about it. It's just so unique that you guys get to write music to the natural world, and you guys are man. I mean, the sounds you make is just you know vibrations in the air. But right. there's so much music in the natural world too. I mean, so many instruments are inspired by nature and everything. It's like this almost full circle yeah. thing, and I love that bridge that you talked about with the voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to 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 sum it up with her um. You know, we would work. Um, it was not always possible to be in one room with her. We, we mm. had a couple of sessions in person, and then the rest um, we did remotely. And she, her, she just released an album, so sometimes she was in a, on the road, like recording in some kitchen <laughs> or in the bus. And um, <laughs> it was really, really interesting to to do that. And um, she has an amazing um, producer, Magnus, and he um, he helped a lot. Um, to, mm. to record and, and produce the vocals. Um, it was quite a smooth uh, workflow, although she's been, she's a, a world pop star touring yeah. the world. I mean, she's everywhere. Um, <laughs> but, um, and something I, I probably will never forget is that she, when we had a session in person, we didn't want her to be just in the booth and hear the music and sing. So what we did first for each scene is we sat down with her um, played her our mock-up and watched the scene with her mm. and she would have um, really strong emotional reactions and even shed a tear and and I, I think that that this really gave her performance even more 
of yeah. an emotional impact. It, it was really beautiful to observe. And then actually we would go into the booth with her. Yeah. Mm. We did it at remote control where, you know, there's a, there's a larger live room and a large control room. And, and so we would sort of do it as, as a trio. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you touched on that thing of, you know, you have a session vocalist in the, in the booth separated by the glass and it can feel, yeah, you know, a bit, disconnected kind of disconnected yeah. and removed at times and so we you know we we took our synths into the live room and and sort of sat with her and we were just able to sort of talk about the scene and we had the picture up in there and really kind of fine-tune what we wanted to get out of out of her voice and you know she, she was um an incredible perfectionist just singing yeah. again and again and again until she felt she had you know achieved the exact emotion that that we were trying to get out of the scene yeah Wow. So um, I'm curious, what what is, so talking about like, the, I guess the production pipeline. So are you getting locked pictures to work with or are they still kind of getting fine-tuned as you start writing music? Are these, is the entire series already done or are they coming as they're finishing? Like, and when do you start, I guess, writing music to these episodes? Um, th the BBC, they were very eager to share um, early, early material with us mm. because it, it really helps us seeing yeah. you know, the sooner you see the picture, the, the, the earlier, you know, like what dimensions are we talking and, and like what sort of fits and you begin, you begin experiments with these early scenes. Uh, some of them would, wouldn't even be a story. Um, it's just shots, but it, it, you still get inspired. Um, but the actual workflow we would get, it, it was quite traditional. Um, we would get a rough cut and mm -hmm. we would have a take on that. And then, we were getting a fine cut and um, everything was cut out and we had to start over. <laughs> <laughs> Not always, but um, it, it's really interesting to see also their creative flow and to see oh, yeah. what parts they scratch and, oh, there's new footage now in this thing. And so you, you, re you also really see their journey to the perfect cut, which is really interesting. Um, and then you get closer and closer to picture lock and that's when usually we lock our MIDI and we mm -hmm. sign off the cues and the material gets passed on to the orchestrators. Um, I think we had like a month each for each episode, um, but you have to consider like a week of this month is, is recordings or recording yeah. preps. So you actually don't have a lot of time for, for these shows. Um, I think something that helped the that that timeline but but also something that i really valued from a creative process was was like you touched on earlier writing music before you get the picture which is something that hans has always encouraged and and been amazing at um but in trying to come up with something that felt like a step forwards musically having music that had been composed just purely from discussions and rough sequences and just our take on on frozen planet um being able to take that and then get a cut of an episode and, and put it into the episode and see how it works against the stories that they've decided to tell yeah. um was was just you know it saved us time but also it gave us a, a new way of approaching certain sequences yeah yeah and time gets less the further you progress so we, we i think for the first episode we had the longest and then it, it gets the more episodes it, it gets really crunchier and crunchier and and um 
a blessing in disguise is when you get re uh, rejections, you know, sounds get rejected or a part of a cue gets rejected. And, you know, at, at Bleeding th Fingers, we often say, um, no theme left behind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, like if time runs out and, um, you know, you want to do a good job and sometimes it's better to tweak something that has been rejected and hey this actually works if i if mm. i adapt it if i bring this to it rather than putting something together real fast I mean, there's just sense. so much music as well i mean you're talking yeah I, I mean if you want to include the music that didn't make the cut we're talking over six hours of music composed in what probably wow. five months or so yeah so there's a lot of musical ideas to draw on and to expand on and you know, hey, maybe this full cue that I kind of masterfully orchestrated last week didn't make the cut, but actually this piano sketch from right. six months ago works really well and is a totally different spin on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious as a, so you mentioned earlier, like you were talking about how you looked at the entire history of the BBC Earth productions and making sure not to fall into cliches and do what's done and how to bring something new to Frozen Planet uh, too. It, was it challenging because I, I've, I've interviewed other composers and other bleeding finger composers as well who worked on other you know so but something like planet earth oh, it goes to a new location every episode whereas like here you're really just focusing on the antarctic and arctic uh, climate so everything has to feel cold and of course the nuance comes from the the animals and the stories that you're you're seeing so i'm curious was it hard to find kind of that initial soundscape or was it was it harder because it was all kind of in the frozen tundra and the climate or was it kind of a little bit more easier like okay we can find a soundscape and that can really kind of cover our bases across all the episodes um whenever i felt i get lost or i don't have an idea or i don't know how to tackle this specific episode i try to recalibrate and go back to home base mm. home base being um the themes we wrote the fractured orchestra with Aurora and I, I would always, this is my sort of safe space I, I created for me, you know, something where I always know from here on, I can come up with something. Hmm. And then all, you're absolutely right. It's all about the frozen regions, but we made sure that um, you know, the frozen world has a big variety. You have fragile worlds and yeah. snowflakes, you know, you, these little fractures that snowflakes have. And, and we have footage of Ice, um, ice things collapsing. Ice sheets, yeah. ice sheets collapsing. The so glaciers it, and all that, yeah. Exactly. Right. So we had we we. I think I'm talking for the two of us, but I never felt trapped into some frozen world. Yeah. There was still lots of diversity to draw from. And the the fractured strings. You mentioned that, and we should touch on that a little more. Yeah, talk about the fractured strings and how that played into the sound. Yeah, that was definitely like you said home base in many ways and something that we talked about a lot before we started scoring it again was to just sit around a table and say okay what is the sound of, of frozen planet what is the sound of ice um how can we do something new and and so we wanted to specifically look at the way that ice splinters and fractures and, mm -hmm. and sort of blooms and refracts and these are all big words but but you, you sort of have this sense of this very delicate fragile um, thing like you said that can can go to both extremes of scale um and so we work with with spitfire uh who are you know just so amazing at what they do and you know we've collaborated with them at bleeding fingers in the past um and really just sort of sat down with some players in london 
and said, okay, well, you know, what, what does that sound like? Do we want to go, you know, add some harmonic layer? Do we want to go a bit more solpont? Do we want to do this with a solo violinist? Do we want to do it with a full orchestra? Mm. How do we want to, to do that? And, and so that was really invaluable. We spent days at air just note by note sculpting a toolkit of sounds that we felt could sort of bring us that home base and that that variety of extremes that the sort of passion in in a, in a violin section as well as the um very sort of subtle delicacy of, of a soloist performing you know a harmonic it's just it doesn't really get smaller than that yeah. in yeah in music. The, the the most british thing happened at one of these sessions a, a player spilled hot tea on herself uh, she kind of dropped out for the rest of the session so uh, but it was in, in this case we decided to just do it with one violin instead of four and we got like really cool sounds out of that so even, mm. even that was um, uh, um, you know turned out to be good um, yeah. yeah but so yeah that's, that's part of the project I, I, I told you earlier that it's been like three years right that right, yeah. first heard about Frozen Planet so um, doing film music is so much more than you writing music. It's 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 really the intersection of 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 music and and psychology. Oh yeah. And you have to wrap your head around that. And I'll give you one example. For example, we um we decided for the climate change aspect, we didn't come up with a melody um, to represent climate change. We we made it a chord progression. Hmm. Which would, um, you know, build itself like almost like a wall of sound that then at, at, at the climax of the piece is sort of collapsing. And yeah. um, this was an idea I think we we wouldn't have come up with if if we didn't sit down and have a conversation away from the keyboard. I'm also uh, curious about uh, kind of the structure of every episode. I mean, you have also the. Uh, iconic you know david attenborough narration so when you get the episodes is his narration already spotted and placed and or do you have to go back and they've maybe added something and you and how do you i guess navigate that without stepping on that narration but still you know giving it's what actually, it needs it's funny you mention that because when we do it he's not in it <laughs> yeah um it's it's you know we create mock-ups right before we record and and right I think the narration is also mocked up. Um, and but something that's really cool is it's they just don't choose a random person to do it. Um, it's the film, so one epic we call the episodes films, and the director does the narration. So I mean it's 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 like scratch dialogue, which I work in animation, which is very common where you have scratch dialogue and then comes gets in replaced in the in the final yeah. mix. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny because you know we're all so familiar with that voice and so we're listening to you know a young female narrating we're kind of <laughs> i know what this is going to sound like in the end right but it's i mean it's you know i've i've been i've been watching it these past few weeks and usually i i, I wouldn't watch something that i've done because it's you know we spent so long on it and then we're so fed up with it pretty much by the end right but it's like let's just let people enjoy that and move on to the next thing but for this it's like i want to hear the voice i you know, I grew up in Bristol in the in the southwest of England, which is wh where the natural history unit is based. So yeah. for me, it's it's kind of a full circle thing, having grown up hearing his voice in these documentaries, to now get to write music that is placed underneath his narration is just an immense privilege. Um, and, you know, you, the BBC 
I don't think we, we give enough credit for for the BBC, the production team, and and the um, and David, and his, you know the the scripts that are written are just so eloquent um, and t tell the stories in in ways that are beyond just kind of actually describing what's happening, yeah, and really getting getting to the heart of, of what's going on and describing it in a way that everyone can understand, and it's a universal experience to to watch one of one of Sir David's shows. Something sure. yeah. something that's special about the st structure of the show with with these natural history shows is that with a um, a scripted feature film let's say you have a timeline from start to finish and it it sort of um, the themes um how should i say this uh, in natural history you dive into these microverses you know the mm. the the iguana scene or the the orca scene and the yeah. harp seal sequence and so you have to give them their own like sonic fingerprint while still staying under the umbrella of the whole show, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's that's one of the the, the big challenges um, mm. you have to overcome. But uh, that also makes it very fresh. Whenever a scene ends and they're transitioning to a new scene, you're really excited. Oh, what well, I, what, what am I gonna get next? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of cool. Uh, also, you know, when you do a scripted show, a, a film or a, or, a, or a TV show, there's often like sets, right? And scripts yeah. and you can go and like meet the actors, and <laughs> right? Like you don't, you can't go and meet the heart. I mean, I could, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go. Right. Yeah. So we've gone to the zoo, I guess. <laughs> it's, you know, in a way it's, you're kind of not, the, the fourth wall isn't broken in that sense by the fact that you we're kind of getting the footage and watching it and this is the first time we're seeing the stuff that actually happened in nature yeah uh, and kind of reacting to it and always trying to preserve the first watch of a sequence um because yeah you know you i remember the with the harp seals in, in particular watching the sequence for the first time you're just sort of completely absorbed in, in the pictures and the stories and the challenges that they're facing and just the visuals and everything and you, know, you watch it a hundred times to score it and you can sort of lose that um, yeah so trying to just sort of really tap into that first watch and then you know then the work begins well it seems um, like that's what you guys did with aurora getting her first that first exactly. watch and getting that gut emotional reaction which is exactly. so important a fresh take on the scene after yeah. us having spent so long writing the music yeah how so talk to me about the i guess how you split duties and how you tackle like does some person say like oh i love these animals i'll take this story or i'm, I'm more accustomed to th this uh, type of writing or was it more just a continual blend of just everyone kind of just working together it, it came very natural yeah very natural. we we usually what we do we we all sit in a room and we watch the show and we I, I I don't think we had a single argument or disagreement about who's gonna do which scene. It it just might be a oh. little generous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, yeah. but you're, you're right. I mean, it's it was definitely, you know, we 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 watch a sequence and we say, I want to do that one. It's yeah. Okay, you know, yeah. go for it. I I want to do that one. Okay, you do that one. I'll oh, sometimes one. yeah. What I would remember <laughs> is um, if if a person takes a really tricky scene, uh, oftentimes it's it's the virtuosic um funny ones you know often yeah. involve birds and um 
you know, if, if I do one of these and then, I, you know, jokingly, I say, James, you owe me one. And, or, um, yeah, we would, we would do it like that. But I, I will say as well, though, so, something that we found was, was actually kind of fun was to, was to flip it around the other way and, and to watch the, the show and go, which ones, which ones do I not really feel a connection to? Yeah. Right. And, and I need to ask myself, why, 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 why is this not really working for me? Mm. And maybe I have a way into that scene that is fresh and, and 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 different. And so for me, I think I was sort of inclined to tackle more of the heavier action music and, and vice versa, perhaps. But I think by the end of it, we'd sort of leveled it all out. And I, I think we both, you know, surprised ourselves with, with writing music that was maybe a little out of the wheelhouse. Yeah. And and hopefully you know yielded results that was more you know courageous that, that yeah. more courageous and, and complex. Yeah. yeah, I mean, going out of your comfort zone, I think it's the, the scariest thing, but it's also the best way to grow, the best way to learn, and right. and uh, tackling uh, all of that. So I'm, cu I'm curious, talking about your favorites and everything. Do you guys talk to me about your maybe favorite sequences or favorite favorite scenes that you guys scored that you really have a connection to that you really had just had a blast writing to? And maybe if you also throw in maybe one that's maybe was very more of a challenge that it took maybe a while to crack so i'm curious from your take what was like a really fun one that you like oh this is i'm really proud of this sequence and then maybe one was like oh this was a really tough one but i'm still you know happy with the you know final result <laughs> okay i so my 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 favorite one to score was um the orca hunting scene yeah. it's 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 incredible they these animals um first of all they can get like i think over 100 years old and so this hunting technique that they use um, takes them 15 years to learn. Yeah. And what they do is they, um, a whole pack of orcas, like three or four, led by a matriarch, would swim aligned and, and like create a subsurface um, sub wave mm -hmm. and would wash a seal off an ice floe. And then once in the water, you know, that's when they when they yeah. attack. It's uh, incredible to watch. Sometimes they first break the ice, and then they even move the ice flow with their noses. Yeah. They move the ice flow into the open water when they until they do the next one. It's it's really really incredible, and scoring it was was fun. And a funny one. Uh, there's a, a cue um, on the album. It, it's called Daylight Robbery. Mm -hmm. and, what's happening in the picture is that <laughs> so for some reason in 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 the penguin king, kingdom uh the more stones a male has you know they pipe they like pick stones and yeah they get the, the little stones yeah they collect. the more stones you have the more um attractive you are and there's one poor guy he just can't get anything right he, he doesn't <laughs> find any good stones um <laughs> Like you see him picking one up and then he drops. It's just a whole mess. He's like, and um, but he still needs to get around, right? Yeah. So he ends up stealing stones from from the other penguins. <laughs> but even that is a whole disaster. He 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 just cannot do it. And um, scoring it was was super fun. Um, I I think it's a really fun scene to watch. And um, mm. I gave the music some sort of spy. Um, um element to it um, yeah so yeah see him like walking around and then uh yeah that was fun hmm. how about you james 
I think I mentioned the harp seals before, but yeah, that's it's definitely up there for me. It was one of the first sequences that any of us saw for Frozen Planet Two, and it really just solidified itself as such a such a strong emotional arc. And I mean, it's just an insanely cute creature. I think that's what works so well about it is that you fall in love with this animal, you see it grow up, mm. and then spoiler alert the planet is warming up <laughs> yeah um and it's it's not going so well for, for the heart seals so um you know the first time i watched i had a very strong emotional reaction to it and you know we i sort of chased that through the through the process and worked closely with the with the episode producer and you know to, to really tap into to what they wanted from that scene and mm. uh, that was definitely a favorite for for me, and the, and the footage that they that they caught, you know, underneath the ice. I think the seals kind of came right up to the camera and sort of almost played with it. It's just surreal. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I guess for me, the one of the scenes that was more challenging, but ultimately actually was was one of the most rewarding, was the permafrost slumps. Mm. of the frozen uh of the frozen lands which you is... wrote a, a great piece for choir the, right uh, and that was what kind of cracked it in the end was my my initial approach was was much more synthetic and 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 sort of based around heavier analog synths to sort of sell the the, the weightiness of the mud that's it's it's like the the, the permafrost is melting and yes. turning it sort of sludge that's kind of creating these massive voids in the in the yeah. landscape and yeah ultimately i sort of thought actually let's just scrap the synths and let's write a, a sort of requiem for, for choir and so we worked with the incredible um Reykjavik re recording orchestra in iceland oh wow and um they were just in incredible to work with and, and they sung uh that that sequence in in, in particular with just an, an incredible sensitivity um so yeah for me that 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 was another challenge but but ultimately a highlight yeah, but highlight yeah so i mean was um, it that, oh, that, yeah sorry go ahead um, that track is called scars of the earth on the album mm -hmm. if, if people want to it's it's a yeah. real nice Nice piece, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So to kind of looking at the the series as a whole, I mean, you you had to inject wonder, inject awe, create personalities for the the animals for audiences to connect with, but also maintain, I guess, the 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 message of you know the climate is dying and we need to change. So was it hard to balance that to make sure that you ended up in that place where you were able to make light moments, make tense moments, and all the you know spectrum of emotions but also kind of land that at the end to make sure it had the impact that it needed to have for the whole series i think we wanted to be yes but also we wanted to be careful not not to be heavy-handed and overbearing mm. with it right because it would be very um perhaps perhaps expected to just sort of go to the minor chords oh no climate change right and david's narration is so you know it, it, obvious and the the footage is just sort of tells the story for itself so 
that there was definitely a sensitivity that, that was required when it came to the, the, the climate change elements. But yeah, I think definitely that was the, I guess, the, the arc in a sense. We, um, you know, people watching this show, um, it, it, we didn't want to put any blame on the viewer. Right. You don't want them to feel guilty walking away. You need to be better. Like the average person with their um, plastic straw, you know, this is not the issue. Right. So what we did with the music um, is we focused on representing this icy world in a beautiful way. And Mm. by see and hoping that people see this landscape and all these animals and we give them this awe and the amazing the amazingness and and hmm. if you see that we hope that you know i, I want to care i i don't want these harp seals to be gone in 15 years i i don't yeah. want that to happen i i want to preserve that and um the bbc i think with how they touched on this really um it's a difficult topic to touch on um because people are so not really united about it right there's so many opinions and but the one thing we can all agree is that the world is beautiful. Mm. It still is. And if, if, if we would, you know, if, if the right decisions are being made, um, this can continue to, to be beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's why I, I fell in love with nature documentaries as a, as a child. Discovery Channel here in the United States was like the home for that. Now it's like 90 day fiance and mermaids are real and all that <laughs> crap. But, but at the, the start discovery channel was that and what BBC earth, I think really kind of took, uh, you know, is the crowning achievement of all of it, keeping that going because that instilled my love for wildlife as a child for marine biology, conservation, everything. And I think shows like frozen planet two are so important, especially for younger people who find, see that wonder and see how beautiful it is. And I think your music and along with Hans and Aurora, just, just, fantastic uh brilliant and just i mean bringing bringing that beauty to life so uh, guys thank you so much for sharing your insight and thank and you. everything tonight and uh and congratulations on i mean getting it out there in the world it must be such a relief to have it out there and and getting all the the, the reaction that it is after all that work so congratulations on that <laughs> thank you for having us yeah. yeah thank you so much that was fun <laughs>